Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We taped Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Our guests are Wade Burzon and Jeff Benton, implementers with the entrepreneurial operating system known as EOS Worldwide. EOS focuses on vision, everybody being on the same page, traction, which is focus and discipline, and health and leadership. Wade was originally a guest on Discover Lafayette in December 2021. To this day, he's been our most popular guest for all who have been inspired by his faith and journey. Wade survived a horrific plane crash in a flight that lasted just 48 seconds as it descended on its way to watching LSU in the Peach Bowl in December 2019. And I have to say, I'm inspired by both Jeff and Wade. Your coaching really gets businesses to reach their highest level. And I want to put in an aside, when I met Jeff Benton back, it's been over, gosh, 15 years or so, you taught me and Dale Carnegie Mm -hmm. and your inspirational style and your humor just makes everything so much more fun. And Wade, we've gotten to be good friends also. And uh, your personal touch and the way you deal with people is inspirational. Thank you both for joining us on Discover Lafayette. No, the pleasure is ours. Thanks yeah. for having yeah. us. Thank and you. let's put in a, a plug too for Jason Sikora here and Raider. We're in their new studio. We're in a brand new podcast studio that's been soundproofed. It's beautiful. We're in the old Piccadilly building, which is now the new Raider. The new Raider building. Yeah, on Coolidge Boulevard. But um, I'm excited to be here and and let you share your stories. So let's start with either one of you that wants to jump in. How did you meet? Yeah, so um, my story of meeting Jeff isn't that much different than yours. So <laughs> I uh, I was working here in, in Lafayette at a, a managed IT company, a really, really good managed connectivity company. And, uh, man, i got to be honest, when we got there, we got on the leadership team, things were kind of crazy. It was kind of hectic. Um, we were about a $35, $40 million business, and we were in the black. We were making profit, but it was really hard. Mm. It was really hard. And, and you know, we had 120, 150 people in the company, something like that. And it, But it felt like there were like 10 to 15 people who were doing all the production mm. and and every time we did something, it felt like it was the first time we ever did it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and it was like there was just so much stress and so much yeah. pain. And we were all about to pull our hair out. Um, and then we met Jeff, right? Mm-hmm. And so Jeff <laughs> happened to be this uh, EOS implementer in Lafayette. And, and I remember thinking, what the heck is EOS? And and this guy, Jeff Benton, comes mm-hmm. in with all his humor and his and his <laughs> pizzazz. And, and, man, he helped us to turn the business around. And... It was it was incredible. When we started EOS, we did a survey of our employees. Eighty percent of them said that they were dissatisfied with the culture of the company. Oh man! In other words, eighty percent of our people didn't want to work there mm-hmm. because they didn't like the environment. Mm-hmm. We were barely in the black. Three years later, after working with Jeff and, and running on the EOS system, I started to see things that I'd never experienced in business before. Like I'd been a part of three reorgs through my life in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Once at the company that I was working at. And 
it, they all failed. And it, but I'd never seen anything like whenever Jeff came in and started teaching us EOS, like things started to flow. It started to get mm-hmm. easier. We started to actually transform the business. And three years after we started the, our journey with EOS, we were best in class in profitability against our benchmarks in our entire in our industry. And 96% of our employees said it was a great place to work. In just a, a very short time. In a very short time. Right. Like, it was incredible how quickly <laughs> things turned around. Um, and, and that's it was that inspiration and seeing that and, and seeing how Jeff and EOS helped help that company to, to go through such a, a crazy tragedy and thrive through it. Yeah. That inspired me to go become mm-hmm. an EOS implementer. You know what's yeah. sad? My daughter and I had a conversation yesterday, and she's, you know, just 30. And she was telling me, and this is her experience, that most people don't like what they do and they're not really happy to go to work. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this might be really common, but maybe we all need Jeff Benton and now Wade <laughs> to bebop in. And what, what's your secret Speak, sauce? I mean, well, <laughs> well, let me back up about, with Wade. Is I remember being in there. I would facilitate their meetings, right, their quarterly meetings. And Wade was pretty much facilitating it. And I was like, man, he would, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought he'd be a great implementer. And, uh, and so when, when, when he says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm already starting the process, he kind of surprised me with it. I always I wanted to call him and say, are you, gonna, are you already doing this? Because I can tell it was in the back of his mind. And so, uh, so he's a natural and a, and a gift at, at, um, as an implementer. So which it takes, um, but it takes experiencing the pain. You know, like my background, uh, we were just talking about it. We started uh, with my brother, PreSonus Audio Electronics, and it was painful. You know, because why? Because most companies don't know how to, most people who start a business were never trained to run a great business, mm-hmm. right? And so then you have people who are literally five and 10 years into the business. And it's not like you can go get your PhD in business, but you still don't know how to run a business, all right? And so, in, uh, in, in, Y'all are talking like I, I'm the special one here, but EOS, the process itself is what, what makes the difference. And so the, um, so when, when Gino Wickman started it, he just says, well, this doesn't make sense. I got all these friends that have these businesses and they're complaining about the same things. And, and then he says, well, there got to be a way to just simplify this to where every business can implement a process, an operating system that will get them to where they want to go. And, and uh, you know, we go to kind of talk about what are the things that people you know, uh, or companies, what are the, the frustrations? And it's almost the same across the board. So I've worked with vet clinics. I've worked with architect firms, uh, manufacturing companies. It doesn't matter. Banks, right? It's the same things. It's the same, um, you know, the same routines that drive excellence, right? And yeah, so it's, and, and Jeff hit the nail on the head. Neither Jeff nor I are some kind of a, a wizard that came up with this magic sauce. Mm-hmm. The truth is in business, there are no magic pills. There, there's no fairy dust that just makes it, it go. Business is business, and it's been business for hundreds of years, and there'll be those same print business principles for the next thousands of years. And in his, in his genius, Gino Wickman really boiled and simplified how to run a great business down to the simplest terms possible. And then created a system that makes it so that you could just repeat it over and over and over. And so I always get a chuckle. Jeff, you might, you might deal with this too. I walk into a, a session room with a client, and I always know when I'm about to hear something that I hear all the time from everybody because the sentence starts like this. Well, you know, in our industry, 
it's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hear it and all then, the time. And then what yeah. they follow with is, well, you know, it's just different because our industry, we just don't have enough time. And, 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 and the business just kind of runs the owner mm-hmm. where we are. And that's what you were experiencing yeah. before right. the OS. Right. My, it goes yeah. all the way back to my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad was an entrepreneur and, and the, the tail wagged the dog my dad's whole life. He mm-hmm. would always come home and say, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. And, and his business ran him. He, ran, he worked 16, 18 hour days all the time. So he didn't have control of his business. His business controlled him. Mm-hmm. And in all entrepreneurial industries, it's the same thing, right? And then you see entrepreneurs. I watched my dad for years not take home a paycheck. Because there's not enough profit, mm-hmm. right? And so who sacrifices first? We start this business, get all the control, make all this money, mm-hmm. and then we don't get to have control of our business. We work 18 hours, and we don't get paid for it. And then your life is a yeah. shambles. Yeah, you don't exactly. have a real life, right? And, and it, it doesn't matter the industry. We see it. Right. People, right? Right now, people is a big issue, yeah. right? And and people are cray-cray. Jeff's, Jeff's been writing are a book cray-cray? about you. So, right. uh, yeah, the book's called My People Are Cray Cray. <laughs> <laughs> so people can't find people these days. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to work is what you hear. But the truth is, is there are. And, and there are ways to find people. And it doesn't matter if you're in a highly skilled technical industry or a low skilled industry, non-tech industry. Mm-hmm. It's the same issues people are dealing with across the board. Yeah. You, you said something, and I, and I want to be like, I'm going to say this in a loving way, and, but I, there's a, um, an empathy or, or a sim- not, not sympathy that I have for business owners like your dad. Like he wasn't trained, hey, if you do it like this, it works really well. Mm-hmm. You're going to make more money. You're going to have more freedom. You're going to have, and so, and it's back to that we're just not trained. I wasn't trained, and it was extremely painful for me and my brothers, you know, and, and, the, and everybody. And so I just have just that. And I, I've tell you, a company that's been really successful for 25 years. Then we go implement EOS, and then all of a sudden it explodes to the next level. But what what often happens, and we talk about where the frustrations is, is you know uh, people issues. That's obviously one. Uh, it grows. Any company that grows to a certain point, you know, it'll grow unless you're very deliberate about how you handle it and manage it. It's going to grow past you, and then you're going to be. And it's it's like the, the the frog in the in the in the water in the boiling water. It just kind of slowly seeps up on you, and now all of a sudden you're stressed, and it, you bring it at home, and it's messing with your family life, and 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 so forth. And so, so. That's, that's another one of the frustrations. And, and then people want to grow and they want to be more profitable, but they want more freedom. And so all of these are the, the kind of the key things. And sometimes you just say, I just want my life back. They just they throw up their hands. Is there a way to give me my life back? Natural progress. It grows beyond their capacity. And so I remember an old Cajun guy, and he says, um, he, says uh, he had several, I think, two or three companies that he, he built and sold very successfully. He goes, i tell you this. He says, he didn't say it with that accent. <laughs> he says, me, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, when we got to $20 million, the whole thing fell apart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Every time, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting you say that, right? Because um, a lot of, some companies do grow and they make it through. We, we call it hitting the ceiling. When you get to that point where everything's just stressed, it's chaotic and you can't get past it and everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. There are people like my dad who ran his business, had a great business, and it hit a ceiling, and he never did break through that final ceiling mm-hmm. because he didn't have a system to get it done. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a way. And I'll never forget the first time I saw 
the, the, the EOS tools, specifically the six key components to the business that I was like, I wish I could go back and give this to my dad. I know. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that have been a gift? Oh, yeah. He must have yeah. been worn out. Oh, he was exhausted. He was exhausted. It got to the point where his business just drove him crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not clinically crazy, but you know what I mean. Cray cray. Cray cray. Yeah, just a little bit cray cray. <laughs> and so it's when, when, you, when you boil everything down and it comes down to it, there are really only six key components to a business that are the root of all of the issues that we've been talking about that really drive mm-hmm. whether yeah. or not you're going to break through. Go ahead and start, you know, run down what the six are. I love these guys. (laughs) It's a great interview. So the first thing, and and there's a famous quote. Now, I'm not the guy who remembers Bible verses, chapter and verse, and I'm also not the guy who remembers who says stuff. Okay? Mm -hmm. So somebody's going to have to go check me who said it. But there was a famous guy. Trust me. He said it. He said, people don't lead. Purposes do. And so... Mm. As you reflect on that, you start to think about it, right? Napoleon Bonaparte said, there's no amount of money that you could pay someone that'll get them to lay down their life for their country, but they'll gladly do so for a bit of yellow ribbon, right? That, that purpose, that small reward. More locally, I think of a guy like Tony Robichaux, mm-hmm. who used to always talk about, you know, you can get an 18, 19-year-old kid out there and he'll flip a tractor tire for hours because his purpose is to make it to the MLB draft, and, and you, you see in businesses, you'll see people who are money-driven, for example. And those people can be successful. Mm-hmm. But is it in the best interest of your company? Because those interests, making it to the MLB draft, making a lot of money, aren't necessarily aligned with where your company is going. So oftentimes mm-hmm. what we see, you get into these entrepreneurial companies, and the people in the company have no idea where the company's going. They have no idea the plan to get there. And they're clueless as to their role in doing that. And so the first thing that we nail down with people is, what is the vision for the company? Who are you? What are your core values? Why are you here? And what is it that you do? What's your core business? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? What's your core target? What are you trying to accomplish with this thing? How are you going to get there? What's your marketing strategy? What is it going to look like in three years? You know, we go out and we, we, we expect people just to see the same things that we do, and they don't. No. I and wonder it, if people can even answer those questions mm-hmm. easily. So there was, a, know. there was a, um, oh, what's the big survey? Harris. There was a Harris poll. And, and they said something like half of all employees have no clue what their company's goal are, mm-hmm. goals are. Um, more, than, more than two-thirds don't know their role, and a quarter don't care. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but when you can get an entire group of people all aligned and seeing the same thing, that's when you can start to accomplish it. So in Tony Robichaud's case, he started to get all those boys excited, not about flipping a tractor as hard to make it to the draft, but about becoming a man yeah. and living a great life. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he built something here mm-hmm. special with that. Right. And so you think about in a company, when you can get everybody aligned on where you're going and how you're going to get there, mm-hmm. that's when magic starts to happen. Right. Yeah. And that's where that profitability comes in, but that's not what you're chasing. You're chasing yeah. staying close to your own vision, right? Yeah, yeah. profit's a result. Mm-hmm. Profit's a result. So, and, and to look at it globally, like you say, what is it? It's vision, traction, and healthy. Is Can you get your people 100% on the same page, where you're going, how you're going to get there? The traction aspect is instilling this discipline this meeting routine of reviewing numbers and making sure your objectives are on track and you're 
your, your, you know, your short-term, your 90-day objectives that are lining up with your annual goals and your, and your three-year picture and your 10-year target, you know. And so that's the traction part. It's like forcing you to run the business well, mm-hmm. right? And it's not that complicated. It's so common sense. And then healthy, this is, this is a unique one when you're talking about this, is overall, to the extent that that leadership team is extremely healthy working together. When I say healthy, we're talking about vulnerability, right? To where you can go and say, somebody can come to me and say, hey, Jeff, you said you've been getting, you're, you're going to get this done two weeks ago. It's causing all kinds of chaos. What the heck is going on, right? And instead of me getting offended, someone just getting right up in my face, uh, I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, I have great boundaries. I'm not, there's, there's such a level of trust, you know. You know, somebody can, you know, you know, I, I don't want to say a bad word on, but they can they can cuss at each other, you know, because they're so they're so intense on trying to fix something that's been broken for a long time. For example, solve an issue, whatever it is, that that they get so mad they 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 drop the f bomb on each other, and then um, and then one of them goes, "You hungry? <laughs> Let's go eat. I'm buying today." You know. Right. It's, it's not a good session, in my opinion, until you have somebody who's snot bubble crying, right? They're oh. crying so hard they got snot bubbles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Out. But it's true, though, Why right? Why are they crying, though, when you're working with them? Yeah, so here's the thing. They're crying because they love each other, okay? Oh, okay. So I, I believe in, in, in our past pod, I talked about this. I believe that in order to live a fulfilled and elite life, you must have three things, faith, uh, perseverance, and the ability to surrender. Those three things attach directly to vision, traction, and healthy. Mm-hmm. Right, you got to be able to see where you're going. You have to believe you're going to get there. That's vision. Mm-hmm. That's faith. You got to have perseverance. That's just the accountability and discipline. That's traction. You got to have the ability to surrender. That's trust, and that's what a healthy team looks like. Yeah. And so, how do we trust? I tell people this all the time in my sessions, to the point they get tired of me saying it. Is in order to be your best as an individual, as a team, or as a company, as a foundational level to be healthy. You gotta have two things. First of all, you have to have a deep humbleness of heart, a true deep humility that allows you to be open to things that you never considered ever before from people that you never considered it from before. And if you're gonna be that open and that vulnerable, just wide open, naked to the world, then you better have people who love you enough to tell you when things are going well, mm-hmm. but also to tell you when they're not. And, and so you have to have that honesty in your life with one another. And so when we get teams together and we start to see them really come together, it's because they're, they're open and honest and vulnerable with each other. And so they're willing to work for the greater good of the company, and they always have each other's back. And that's when companies take the next. I know it sounds like kumbaya. Like we're not therapists. I know it sounds kind of too touchy-feely for some people, but it's that openness and that honesty and that vulnerability mm-hmm that allows people to start tackling real issues. Otherwise, you're just the emperor with no clothes. Yeah. yeah. And people are lying to you. Is everybody coachable? Or when, when you're working with businesses, are there just some people that maybe aren't good fits for their team? Yeah, so just for clarification, we're talk, we work specifically with the senior leadership mm-hmm. team. So we implement mm-hmm. EOS, and then they push it down to the group. So when you have a senior leadership team that's that has that vulnerability, it's very, very powerful. And it, it's, you know, they just know they're bad to the bone. The answer is, is yes. There often you have to turn, when, when you start getting clarity on, 
on everything and, and your core values and how we're what's expected of us and how we behave at our job, our attitudes and so forth. Um, some, sometimes you're going to have people that just realize they're not a good fit for the leadership team or the whole team now that they have clarity, you know, yeah. they've, that, that, uh, and then sometimes, you know, from a coachability standpoint, sometimes we, we call it the, um, about half the entrepreneurs out there, we call them visionaries. So they're great with big relationships. They're great with drumming up a bunch of business, but they're not good on managing. So if you looked at, at um, Walt Disney, he would have been nothing without his brother running the day-to-day with a logic, with discipline, with calculation, right? And so... And so, yes, there are some crazy visionaries that just can't stay the course, and uh, and they're not coachable. You know, sometimes you can't fix the owner. We say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, Jeff, Jeff is a, a much nicer guy than I am. I'll, I'll be direct. There are absolutely people who are not coachable that are not a fit. Right. One of the most disappointing days in, in my life, uh, from a leadership standpoint, was when I realized that not everybody wants to be their best. Now, I've, I've learned that not everybody is is capable of overcoming. There's a lot of fear. There, there's mm-hmm. something that happens to us early in life that adjusts the way that, that we see the world. And so there are some people who are hesitant. They're fearful. Um, and so then they can't surrender. Or they're comfortable mm-hmm. where they are. Yeah. And they don't necessarily want or need. And that's okay. Not everybody needs to go and build the biggest, greatest, best company in the world. Some people want to build a lifestyle company and just, you know, wake up every day, work and, come home and do it. And that is awesome. That is the American dream. And so that's okay. Um, but yeah, there are some people that, you know, we're just not the right people to help them. Mm-hmm. And this it's, it's EOS worldwide. Is it truly worldwide? It is. Now, yeah, it is now. It grew. So when I started about nine years ago with EOS and the, just a little bit of background, I was sitting there on my couch. My friend told me about it. I looked at it and I knew at that moment that this was going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, and so, but back then, uh, I think I was number 65 of EOS implementers in the world. And so I don't know how many we got now. It's 632. So they're spread out all the way down to Australia and and all. So yeah, 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 everybody's independent, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's amazing. You got 630 something people worldwide working with 20 something thousand companies worldwide. And they're all running the same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it works. It's producing results. Um, yeah. The formula, yeah, like you said, works no matter what the company. But mm-hmm. it's just amazing to me to think about the potential we all have. And if we get out of our own way, right? Yeah. You need direction from implementers like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I'm fascinated with this about the what goes on inside people as you coach them. Mm-hmm. Do you just mm-hmm. see the light bulbs I start had, going off? It's funny you say that. I had, Coming on. I had a client about a month ago tell me, um, she said, uh, now this is a family company. And when I met them, they had a lot going on. Um, and obviously, it's always difficult when you have family involved. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were stressed. I'll never forget the look on her face the first meeting. She was like literally red-faced. She was under so much stress. And uh, we've been working together about nine months now. And she told me the other day, she said, Wade, EOS is the hardest thing I've ever done in business in my life. But mm-hmm. it was so worth it. Like, her family life balance is back. Yeah. She's working fewer hours. And not everybody gets the exact same outcome. It's a journey. It takes time. But that was so rewarding yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. her say that. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's paid off. Yeah, we, we say you need to hear things seven times. So you're really trying to change 
you know, you're changing the culture, you're changing people's behavior patterns, what, how they, what they, how they uh, view their company and their purpose and so forth. And so we say seven times, like you, once you get it, so we, we do it, typically we're with a client for about two years helping them implement EOS. And, and after that, they graduate because they should be just cranking mm-hmm. along at that point. Right. And, um, but when you're, when you look at that, seven times you keep saying the same thing you keep teaching like with with anything we're teaching EOS we just keep teaching it and saying it and I said guys you're going to want to kick me in the teeth but I'm going to keep saying it until it's so ingrained until they stop thinking about it now they're using their same language now they're so there's there's something about time-based learning and so we do that time-based learning over that that mm-hmm. that period of time and then and then slowly and then they look up and they're like gosh we are bad to the bone you know <laughs> and it's true and, and and they say you know it's people walk up and say you know I was talking to a friend they were talking about all the issues that they're having and how how he's you know where at the company he works at and he's frustrated and hates it I was like, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, we used to be like that, <laughs> you know, but they could barely, I could barely remember the feeling of it, mm-hmm. right? Because it had passed so far back. And so, yeah, it's cool to see the mentality change too. So when we start working with people, oftentimes they're stressed and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when something new comes at them, uh, it's almost like, it's almost like just the, another straw on the camel's back <laughs> and, and it's so stressful. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then after, over time, you see people realize that an issue is just an issue, and, and yeah. issues don't yeah. stress them anymore. Like it comes mm-hmm. up, ah, put on the list, we'll solve it, we'll deal with yeah. it as it comes. So, you know, why don't we just tell them just kind of the overview of the six key components? Now, all of this is open source; you can find it online. Yeah. Um, but we talked about the vision. That's one of the six key components. The people is another key component. And so when you get literally, I, I use this in a loving way, but unapologetic about making sure you have the right people. Meaning they share their they share your values and their attitude is is the kind of attitude you want, and they're in the right seat. Meaning they do a great job at whatever position that is, and and the importance of that. Um, and I want to come back to that, and give you an example. Um, so vision, people. The third thing is the data. And so now, before you go to data, I want to say this right. Okay. So you find the right people, people you love. They love you. They share your core values. You put them in the right seat. That also means that you've put them in a position to succeed and they're doing something that they love, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have a company full of people who all see where you're going, they know the plan and they want to be a part of it, and you put them in the right seats because you've structured the company properly and now they're all doing a job that they love, people start getting speeding tickets on the way to work. They want to get there. <laughs> like they can't wait to get there, you know? Now that's so, a miracle too for, for most people to even think about. Yeah. You know? And, when, and just one more thing on that. I, I have a bad joke about the right seat. <laughs> <laughs> is Companies do this all the time. They're like, hey, come work for us. We're going to put you in a job you're not good at. And uh, when you go home at night, you're going to be really frustrated, probably yell at your kids more often, maybe get that divorce you've been thinking about, right? And then after three years, we're going to fire you because you're so bad at what you do. I say it's a bad joke. It happens all the time. So people don't realize, no, even like let's just say the church lady at church, right? No, 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 no. It would be unloving if we let her go, even though she's running off all the parishioners and making everybody angry and making everybody's weddings when they do the wedding in a church a disaster. You know, I was like, no, no, no. What's the loving thing to do, right? The loving thing is not to let that person stay in that position. Obviously, they're not good at it. They don't get it, right? Because that's not the way— you, you, you want the face of the church. So I just use that as an example, you know? Yeah, then you got the data component, right? Data? Go ahead. Yeah, so the data component is really where we boil a whole business down to just a handful of numbers, right? 
Because most of the time as entrepreneurs, we're just flying by the seat of our pants, mm-hmm. making decisions on gut feel and fear and emotion. And so we build a scorecard and give everybody numbers. And so we just boil the whole business down to a handful of numbers so that you know. It's like once you get the data component strong, it's like you're playing a football game with the scoreboard lit up. Mm-hmm. Now you know what the score is. You know what to do next, yeah. you know? Like a GPS almost. Exactly. Because you're looking at tr- historical data and you're looking at where you are. So it li- allows you to see a little bit of the future, you know? Yeah. And then so you get you get vision, you get people, and you get data strong and aligned, (laughs) right? So you got people speeding to get to work. Most importantly, there's nowhere for any issues or anything to hide anymore. There's no more hiding spaces in your office. It's like shining a light in a dark room and watching all the roaches come out, right? It's Alka-Seltzer and water. Everything's coming out, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you, you vision, you, you, you say this is where we're going. The, the people component is we know what's expected of us now in regards to there's great clarity in our attitude as well as, as how we do our job well. And then that third thing is that data that just shows where you are. So what he's saying is it creates this open, honest, transparent organization mm-hmm. where, where now the issues and opportunities start to pop up. Yeah, and so once you have all these issues popping up, right, mm-hmm. you, you got to have a way to deal with it. So it's one thing to see it. What are you going to do with it? And that's where the issues component comes in. That's the fourth component. And that's, that's the, um, we say issues and opportunities. And to the extent that you can get everybody's superstars at more, and be more scientific at solving issues, you're much more likely to achieve the vision, right? Because if you're in business, you're in business to solve issues, period, right? Whatever business it is, whether it's internal operations or solving an issue for your, your customer. You know, yeah, and and so what we do with the issues component is is we build two disciplines here. The first is where we we create an issues list. That's just getting everything that's slowing you down or holding you back or ticking you off on one sheet of paper where you could see it. And most importantly, is you get it to where everybody in the company now becomes issue hunters. And so from the top seat all the way to the bottom seat, everybody's comfortable raising their hand and saying, "Hey, we got a problem here. We need to deal with this." And it goes on an issues list. And then you got to have a way to solve it. And so we teach a very specific issue-solving track that helps entrepreneurial companies tackle their issues, prioritize them, deal with them as quickly as possible, and then solve them for good Mm -hmm. so that the same issues are not just coming back over and over and over. And I tell this to people all the time. When you see companies really humming and going along, it's because all of their people are good at solving issues. Right, So in all, far too often, the leadership team thinks they have to be the answer person all the time, and they have to solve all of the issues. I've seen teams where the leadership team met for half the time of their actual allotted meeting agenda because there were no more issues to solve because all of their people were solving the issues before it got to them. And they're the ones that really know what the issues are, people they, that are they're working. They're closest to the dollar. They know right. what's going yeah. on anyway. Right, right. Yeah, so that's the so issues is the fourth component, and then process is the fifth component. Yeah. And I always use the example of, do you know how many uh, locations that uh, Chick-fil-A has? I, I met the president of Chick-fil-A one time, and, uh, and I don't know, I, it, it changes. Probably, let's just say it's 2,600 locations. And I ask people, do you know how many are successful? 2,600 locations, <laughs> yeah. right? And Chick-fil-A, I, I read an article, I'm, I'm assuming it's true, makes more money per store than a McDonald's, a Subway, and a Starbucks combined. And they're only open six days a week. 
Well, you can say the same thing. McDonald's has 30,000 locations. And how do they do that? Well, it's this, this fifth key component is, is the process component. They got things down to a science and they make sure that everybody follows it. You know? and, so, um, and so that's what makes companies scalable, fun, Get it, get, get, it, get it down to a science. Do it the same way. Make sure your people are doing it. And then, and then Jeff, when they reach that, let's say the $20 million mark, whatever the joke was, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, then they're able to scale yeah. much more easily. Absolutely. Because the same process is going to apply no matter how many right. stores or— They have that common you know. sense structure and routine and understanding of business, right, that I was saying. And so everybody on the leadership team is an expert at knowing how to run a business. And listening to their employees. And then they're pushing it down, yes. And, yeah. and, and he, like you said, that humility and love component. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when you get it, – it's really all of the components that keep you going, right? Because when you got everybody that can solve issues, they adjust processes, they do all those things. Now, how do you keep everybody on the same page? How do you keep the momentum going forward mm-hmm. is, the, is the real question. And that's where traction comes in. That's the sixth component. And simply traction is just where we build that accountability and discipline. Um, and we, we, we say this all the time, vision without traction is just hallucination. And so you think about the, the, the cemetery is full of people who died with all these visions in their head and they never executed them because they didn't have the accountability, discipline, didn't have the tools, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so in the traction component is where we take the entire, we start with the leadership team and they drive it down to everybody and we build this huge level of accountability and discipline where everybody's just doing what they're supposed to do because a, they know what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. They know how to do what they're Mm -hmm. supposed to do. And we know how to track Mm -hmm. what they're supposed to do every day. And so you're getting all of those most important things done consistently. And they know why they need to do it. Like that seems like one of the most important things, that understanding of the team's mission. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, go ahead. Oh, just on that is, is you're giving the, the employee a gift like you ever, if you've never worked at a company or if you've ever worked at a company where you didn't know if you were doing a good job or not, it's miserable. Mm-hmm. But now you have clarity, you know. Uh, one other funny thing we, we say is about the right person, right seat. Right person is do they have that right attitude? They share our core values. Right seat is are they good at that position? They have that God-given talent. And so we say now this is where our companies mess up as well. You can put the right person into the wrong seat. Mm-hmm meaning something they're not good at, and eventually they will become the wrong person too. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You put the right person with the right attitude, you bring them in, you put them in a seat that they're not any good at, it affects their, mm-hmm. um, you know, it affects their emotions and they're, they're unhappy. And yeah. so then, well, it, com- be like then it becomes out in their behavior. You know? Tom Brady as a linebacker or something. Yeah, it's not, not going to work. he couldn't do it, but I mean, he wouldn't be good. You know, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. it's not going to work. And, Guess. And, and to that extent, uh, Jeff's been doing this for a lot longer than me because he's a, a lot older okay. than me. <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> yes, thank you. going to bring that up. But, uh, <laughs> but so he, he's, he's probably seen this more often than I have, but it's been beautiful to watch. You know, you sit down with these, these leadership teams and they have a, a, an issue, right? They have a people issue, right? And what do we all want to do as managers? my people are cray-cray. It's my people's fault. Mm -hmm. When in fact, when we really boil it down, it's that we haven't done a good job of managing. Mm -hmm. We haven't set the right expectations. We haven't been clear on on the direction. We haven't used traction-type tools to hold them accountable and build discipline in the company. And so this person is not the wrong person. They're not in the wrong seat. They haven't been managed and given an opportunity to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I've seen numerous times where – 
my leadership teams, once they recognize that we have failed this person, go back, sit down, have a conversation, set clear expectations. This is, in fact, how you're supposed to behave as an employee of our company, mm-hmm. right? Something so simple, but we don't tell people what our expectations are. Right. This is what your job is, and this is what it looks like to be successful in this job. Mm-hmm. And this is how we're going to communicate and give feedback. And then you come back 90 days later because we meet with our clients once a quarter. You come back 90 days later, and this person went from somebody who was underperforming that in the past they would have either left there to be miserable or they would have let them go. Mm-hmm. And now it's one of their best employees, and they're starting to produce and get mm-hmm. better. It's just beautiful to watch. It's beautiful. When we yeah. do what we're supposed to do as managers and as leaders, how our people thrive and our company grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I interviewed some human resource people, uh, God, it seems um, it might have been a couple years ago, and they talked about this, how so many companies don't even have a handbook for their employees about how to dress the basic expectations, yeah. but then everybody talks about it all the time. Like mm-hmm. It's just toxic when you don't know what's expected, but people are, you know, it's, it just gets vicious, and yeah. it's, so, it's so easily fixable, and I can see this on the higher level you're talking about. How, how can you change mindsets? Like, I guess people come to you, the leadership, because they know they need some direction. Mm-hmm. But can can you change mindsets, or is it just the clarity that comes about changes the mindsets to more of a positive uh, outlook? Does that is, is my question making sense? Well, um, kind of. But so when when I I'll try to answer it. So from a mindset, like when you watch a company, just like if you're watching, I don't know some kids become great baseball players, you know, or something like that. Um, yeah, the mindset does change, right? Because they get, they get more confident, right? They get more, like we said, they start communicating differently. You know, it, it improves um, the, the quality of the relationships, but it does happen. And that's why I was saying the time-space learning, mm-hmm. it takes time. It takes repetition. It takes seeing, oh, wow, that worked. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is working well. Look at, look at the numbers are reflecting it, right? And so... Where people are just, if, if your comfort zone or your, your space that you've been living in is, in medio, is mediocrity, right? Mm-hmm. You may not even know it. That's just normal. Right. Right? And then all of a sudden you start moving out of it. Like, and I say, or like a, a bank I'm working with, I said, are you, you know, smaller bank? So let's say it's a $2 billion. And I, and I say, are you thinking like a $5 billion bank? Because that's where you said you're going to be in three years. And... And so everybody starts to think, well, shoot, we're going to have to hire differently, right? Well, the mindset just shifted, right? They just immediately started saying, we're going to, we can't do this. We got to do that, right? Because that means that we're going to be growing and we're, going to, we're not going to keep up with that growth. And then they get excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So About, they, mindset yeah. can shift just like that. Uh-huh. But so, most of the time it's, it's overtime. So Jeff actually taught me this. You know, mediocrity, if you want to build a great company, mediocrity should absolutely piss you off. Like it should drive you crazy to see anything mediocre in your company. Think about people like Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thermostat's got to be set at a certain temperature. Everything's got to be run well in the entire program. And so you talk about mindset. Um, we, we often live in a, in a world of mediocrity because we just don't know any different. The people who are most successful is when they are shown that mediocrity and, and, and what they could be, to Jeff's point. You want to be a $5 billion company? This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. The ones who are most successful see that and embrace that challenge. And so from that standpoint, yes, you can adjust somebody's mindset mm-hmm. and you can start to get people excited. Oftentimes there's some kind of fear that's holding them back. People who see mediocrity and see comfort and, and don't want to step out of that. They don't want to change. They tend to struggle 
yeah. a little more than others. Um, and that, that's just, but that's a fact in, in mm-hmm. across in yeah. any, any portion of life. So we didn't cover all the six. We didn't do traction. I did. I did it last. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did it? Yep. Yeah. Number six. You said rocks. I didn't go through rocks and I just told them what attraction looks like. <laughs> well, let's hear about it. <laughs> well, this is when we say that the, the, the key traction piece of it is it's forcing you to run the business well. And so you will, you will line up your, what you need to get done in the next 90 days. Like you'd say short-term goals. We're just going to big things that are working on the business. That's going to line up with your annual goals, right? Which is going to line up with your three-year picture which is going to line up with your 10-year target. And so if you're shooting an arrow, it's going 90 days straight through to one year, straight through. So you have alignment of, of where you're going. So um, And so there's, there's rocks, but the, 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 the key thing is that meeting pulse. You know, most companies score their meetings at a, at a four. Like when they say, hey, do you have senior leadership team meetings? And they say uh, um, occasionally. Four out of 10. Yeah. Four out of 10. Yeah, Mediocre. four out of 10. Yeah. Right. And so we literally named the meeting. That, 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 that the senior team and, and their people have every week, a level 10 meeting. That is the title of the meeting, and they call it a level 10 team. Okay, it was our level 10 teams having the meeting in here, you know, meaning there's a mindset change yeah. just in that, right? Show up, prepared, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so then, we may, then everybody uh, scores the meeting, a scale of 1 to 10, at the end of every meeting. And so, but in that meeting, it's, it's, your, it's covering all the numbers on track, making sure you're the short-term objectives are on track. You're solving issues. You're making sure your people and your customers are happy. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of forcing you, right, to cover all the bases, which, which drives the company. Yeah, right? the, there's, a, there's a good and a bad to it. So the good news is it's a world-class meeting. Like, mm-hmm. th- that was the thing whenever we started running on EOS, and we're getting together once a week now. Our company went from meeting – our leadership team would meet once a week for four to six hours – depending on how long they wanted to go. And they got nothing accomplished oh, every God. week. It's miserable, huh? <laughs> to, we cut that down to a 90-minute yeah. meeting, and we were just like knocking stuff out every week mm-hmm. and, and making it really home. And so that's the good news, right? It's the best meeting you'll ever be in. The bad news is it's going to ruin all of the other meetings you ever attend. Right, because <laughs> like, you'll like, know. This could be so much let's better. Let's get something done, yeah. yeah. God. You know what I'm thinking of is children and schools – and it, I know the leader in me is very, you know, it's a wonderful program because they teach the fundamentals of behavior. But to have something like this implemented, let's say, in our public and maybe most private school systems, you know, the principals. I just think about children having these ideas when they were little about what's the ultimate target, like you're saying, Jeff. Yeah. Not just 90 days, like this semester, whatever, but yeah. your life. Yeah. yeah. Where, where are you going? And yeah. understanding the importance of their actions, you know, today. Yeah, if you wait, if you wait till the Grim Reaper is breathing down your neck, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually uh, go out and I'll, I'll do for universities, a little bit older kids. I'll do um, in high schools. I'll do a personal plan that's similar to a business plan or a vision traction organizer, which is where we set the vision for the company. Mm-hmm. I'll do it for for those folks to figure out what's their personal plan for their own life. Right? Because the key is if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. Right. And, and it's funny you mentioned leader in me, whether it's leader in me or uh, Stephen Covey's First Things First, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Those are, there are foundational principles in those things that we still operate EOS on to this mm-hmm. day. Like Gina Wickman didn't go out and just reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. 
He took those same timeless principles from those same programs that you see there mm-hmm. to build great leadership in schools. And we instilled it in companies because we never stop growing and, and having the need to learn and get better as adults. It, it doesn't stop. And, and we still have that same leadership deficit that we had when we were kids. And so mm-hmm. it's those same things that we're just taking and we're, we're growing them up and, yeah. and applying them to an entrepreneurial yeah. space and getting right. people to, to grow there. In the business setting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I know Jason's been even taking notes. Um, do you have any questions or anything? I have all sorts of questions, guys. No, but I, I narrowed it down. Uh, I could talk for I could ask for hours. Um, first of all, thank you guys for being here and yeah. for uh, christening the new, the new yeah. studio. Indeed. Um, so one of the first things you guys talked about, and I, this is more of a comment, I guess. Uh, you talked about vulnerability, um, and and I more recently, you know, I've I've kind of worked with my therapist and such, you know, talk about the feelings first, address the feelings and then move on from there. And I think you guys kind of hit on that where John Favreau actually said, he goes, this is the 21st century. We talk about feelings now. And, and I, I like that because um, when there's a problem, people want to be heard, right? They want, they, want their, they want to hear the frustrations. And I find that I do this more and more by asking very simply, you know, well, how does this make you feel? Kind of gets that out of the way. And, right. and that way you can become solution-focused instead of problem-focused because now they've been heard, now you can move past that. So I, I like that that was addressed. Um, disruptors. The first thing I kind of thought about was like a stock market crash or COVID or Web 2.0 with user-driven content and Glassdoor and Google reviews. Do you find that those things at all affect your, your six main points here or are there things that companies need to watch out for or – if your six main points are on track, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Oh, I would love to answer this. You got it. <laughs> um, so as somebody who saw his company get hit by the figurative bus, mm-hmm. um, when you see major disruptors, that is the time to lean in the heaviest to the six key components. And that is whenever having the ability, right? So a major market disruption comes your way. What's the number one thing you have to be able to do? adjust, right? And so when you have an entire company of people who know how to get in a room, figure out what all the problems are and make adjustments on the fly and keep the company going forward, what, I mean, that's magic, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the U.S., we create a 90-day world. We have a specific meeting pulse. We're meeting once a year, but if you only met once a year and a market disruption happened in the middle of the year, what happens? You're in trouble. Right. But then we meet quarterly. We create a 90-day role. We reset priorities every 90 days. And so if a market disruption happens, you have a better chance. But that's still not often enough. It might happen Tuesday, right? And so if a major disruption happens on a Tuesday, you got to have that weekly meeting pulse that we talked about with the Level 10 meeting. It gives everybody an opportunity to get in a room, figure out what the most important issue is gonna, that's going to just take the business down right now and solve that issue. So I tell people all the time, when you run on EOS, you're going to start the process and you're going to go home and something bad is going to happen. You're going to lose a major customer. You're going to lose an important employee. You're going to have a bad month revenue-wise. Something's going to happen. And at that time, the instincts, human instincts are going to kick in and you're, what, you're going to want to run away from the system. But in fact, that's the time when it really is most important that you lean into the tools that help you to get through bad times, which is what the six key components do. So, right. No, right. I, in, in regards to the disruptors, like he said, there's, I have an example of a client, COVID hit, and they, they adjusted and they adjusted 
and they're so used to solving issues and they're so used to doing it anyway, because they're doing it every week anyway, that they grew their company over a hundred million dollars. Gosh. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> wow. But it's not amazing, right? It's yeah. it's tried and true principles. Yeah. And then they had a great, you know, it's it's making sure you have that right leadership team too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the people are all in alignment. And so uh but they, you know, that's that's a dis- that should be you're a disruptor. Now, sometimes you say like if if you have an offshore drilling company and the whole industry shuts down for years, this doesn't fit fix that, right? Yeah. 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 Unless but unless you have the leadership team that can twist into another company, yeah. you know. Well, or, and that you know. makes sense, right? What find what's working for you and stick with that and lean into it until it stops working for you and then right. adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's actually quite simple. Yeah. yeah. Um for the for younger people listening to this podcast who, you know, want to be an entrepreneur, any quick tips for them or things to keep in mind when they kick off their first business with two employees? Is it even is it worth planning out five, ten years when you're just trying to get by day by day? Uh, really, any any sort of tips for the new startup? So my first advice is when you start a business, brand new startup, two employees, one employee, the most important thing that you can do is get revenue in the door, right? Okay. So I have a sales background, VP of sales, big CRM guy. I tell people who start a business, do not waste one second of your time. Get a, get a pen and paper, get an Excel spreadsheet. Your job is just to get revenue in the door as quickly as possible until you can afford to figure it out. Now, while you're doing that, it's important in the background that you know where you're going and you have an idea how you're going to get there. So you should make all that. Just know that in your first year, most of those plans are gonna get gonna get hammered anyway because you're just struggling to get by and the and you need that lifeblood for your business. So go find revenue. Get get the cash flow coming so then the rest of it'll make sense. EOS really starts to make sense for entrepreneurial companies between 10 and 250 people. Right. Okay. Now it doesn't mean that you don't plan and look ahead. Yeah. The second mm-hmm. thing that I would advice I would give to young people looking to uh, become an entrepreneur is go, I don't get anything from this. This is not my book. I didn't write it. Gino Wickman's Entrepreneurial Leap is a fantastic book. And and frankly, it's written to scare people away because it takes a special <laughs> breed to be an entrepreneur. And so he really lays out what entrepreneurship really looks like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so for young people looking to become entrepreneurs, it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I would, I mean, if it's a startup, I, I, I would definitely read the um, and start to, you know, implement at least on their own, just the, the uh, EOS and read traction, you know, and start meeting. If there's two of you, look at, make sure you're looking at numbers and meeting, you know, so I think that would, it would make a lot of sense. Why? Because you want them to understand business as quick as they can. That, that makes yeah. sense. Certainly doesn't hurt. You're right, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess I kind of had the same question, like a quick tip for um, established businesses. Take us, Raider, been around for 25 years. We're kind of at that hurdle yeah. like where we're about to expand big or or maybe not what's something that any business owner listening right now can ask themselves when they go home tonight and and kind of start thinking about this process before even digging into the six key components did i put you in the spot yeah, yeah no i'm trying to um okay ask it one more time so for an already established business it's been around for a decade two yeah. decades but they're having a trouble like they're at that point kind of like us where we're expanding quickly What's a good question that a business owner can ask themselves when they go okay. home tonight so, yeah. after listening to this podcast? All right, good. All right. Um, is it, it has to be a vulnerable question to themselves, in my opinion. Like, at any, like are, are we living in mediocrity? 
Or, and if you're okay with that, like if, if this is going to be a lifestyle company and, and I say it's not mediocrity necessarily, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want any more complexity. This, this, this is a cash cow. We're just going to run it like this, yep. you know, or, um, and then the other question is, oh, no, no, do we want to grow? No, no, no. I want to expand this. I want it to. So are we capable of doing that? Okay. Am I happy as a business owner? Right. Is, do I love this business? That's a good question. Yeah. 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 Do I love this business? Is it, is it something that, um, what's my long-term plan? Am I going to sell it in five years or I'm going to do this for the next 20 years? So you're giving yourself clarity to say, you know, and this happens, this happens routinely. And then people, when they do ask those questions, they say, well, I want to do something different. Um, or we're going to have to do something different now that I know that we're not staying like this. You know, companies will bounce off the ceiling. Let's say it's a small company, $5 million, and they can't get past $5 million in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. So they just keep bouncing off the ceiling, and they know they have to do something different. And so that's that, this works well for that. You know? that makes so mine, mine's kind of a three-part tack on to that. I, I think and you got to know where you want to go. Like, what do I really want from this business? Is an important question that a lot of people haven't really taken the time to answer. Um, next, what's holding you back from doing that? And then the third, and, and it's a five-part piece, and this is going to – I'm not intending this to sound salesy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's not, I think this is just, a, this is something that's been exposed to me recently in life. And I think it's important. Am I doing what I love making a difference being compensated appropriately and having time for other passions mm-hmm. with, I'm sorry, with the people that I love and having time for other passions. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I think those are the five things that really make a difference when it comes to living a great life. Mm-hmm. And so if you're finding yourself in a position where you want your business to be a certain place, um, you have things in the way and you're not getting those other five components in your life, you're not living that great life, then it might be time to make a change and, and, and do something different because you don't get different unless you do different. You have to change something. And whether it's EOS or some other operating system or some other coach or something else, at that point as an entrepreneur, that's when you got to make that shift. Mm-hmm. And so we don't we, we believe in an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. We believe there are far more entrepreneurs who need our help than we could ever possibly reach. And we also acknowledge that there are some great systems out there. I just want to see more people take the initiative to do something different to get different in their yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And when you value your life, you, yeah. know, you want to be happy. We don't have time to waste. Right. We're doing stuff that we're miserable <laughs> doing. Yeah? I know. That's fair. Know. We don't have that time. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> final question. And, I hate when I get this question, so maybe it's unfair to you guys. It's a personal question. Where do you see yourself in three to five years? Oh, I love that question. Oh, do you? <laughs> oh, no. I Look, when, there's somewhere down the line, one of my ex-employees uh, is going to hear this podcast, and they're going to get a good chuckle because I inter- everybody I interviewed, I asked them that question because you could not work for me unless you had an idea where you wanted to be in three to five years. If I wasn't helping you get somewhere I wasn't interested. Okay. So for me, it's really clear. My, my, my five-year target is that I want to be able to be in a position to coach sports um, in a school somewhere. Oh, right? okay. There's no way it's going to be full-time, yeah. right? Um, and so there's a, a, lot of, a, a lot of work that I got to do as a, as a business coach. I'm not leaving that, that space. But that goes back to those five things, right? Time for other passions for me mm-hmm. is I love coaching kids. Tony Robichaud was one of my idols. And so whether it's a high school, middle school, uh, in five years, I want to be in a position to have a chance to go and coach kids uh, in school. So mm-hmm. That's yeah. excellent. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? 
Um, I'm definitely going to be doing this. I just love it. It's, it's, it's extremely fulfilling. So I'm going to be doing that. But, you know, I have, I have five children, and in three to five years, they just about will all be out of the house. And so uh, so it's going to be— um, How many dogs do you have? We have one dog. Only one. Okay. Yeah. He's also got stories about dogs and oh yeah, We've not, not following his wife's <laughs> guidance, right, on <laughs> taking care of the dogs. So. Oh, oh yes. That, yeah. I remember, that's the story. Yeah, I yeah. remember that one. <laughs> um, and so in, 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 uh, when I look at that, I'm just looking for like that, that more when we talk about time for other things is to spend more time with the kids, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and be able to travel with them and so forth. And so, and my yeah. wife, we really want to connect. We've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very yes. busy. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys for coming down here and, yeah. uh, and being our guinea pigs, I guess, of yeah. the yeah. podcast room. Yeah. This and, is awesome. And Jan, as always, thank you for letting me ask some questions. Oh, I'm just mm. so happy to be here. Thank you, Jason, for, for taping this today. Was there anything you wanted to get in that I didn't ask or anything in closing that you'd like so. to share? I think, I think we okay. covered it all. Yeah. yeah, so EOS Worldwide, people can just Google that. I'll put in my show notes how to yeah. contact you both, but um, they can just – there's a lot of material yeah. online. I yeah. would suggest you if anybody's interested at all, uh, and there are people who run on EOS on their own even without implementers. There are people – we have a bunch of implementers worldwide. Go to uh, www.eosworldwide.com. There are free tools and resources mm-hmm. you can get there. And if you put a backslash in either one of our names at the end, you'll get to our own personal page. Yeah. And you can contact us there. Or you could Google us um, online and right. yeah. get to it. Yeah, either of us and we'll pop up. Right. Thank you both, Wade Burzon and Jeff Benton, for being here, implementers with EOS Worldwide. Um, I think we can all keep on learning, and uh, you're inspirational. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I hope you had as much fun as we did. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. (laughs) I love love this. I love this. I'd also like to thank our listeners for your loyal support. Please subscribe if you haven't anywhere you get your podcast. And you can also go to discoverlafayette.net, and you can see the hundreds of interviews that we've done over the past six years. it's It's been a wonderful run, and... I'm very proud of our community to get to share stories like this. Thank you so much. Thank you. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, I'm Jan Swift.